Hi, and welcome to 5 Minutes of Rum. Notes on rum, a few minutes at a time. My name is Kevin Updegrove, back from Tiki Oasis 13 in San Diego. I've certainly learned this summer that a Tiki weekender like Tiki Caliente or Tiki Oasis does wonders to disrupt my broadcast schedule, so I'm really happy to be back recording again. If you were at Tiki Oasis and heard about the show from one of my cocktail postcards, thanks for tuning in. Uh, This is episode 11, and we're going back to the overproof well, uh, much like we did in episode 9. But this is a very different overproof. It's an overproof from Jamaica, Ray and Nephew Overproof Rum. I'll talk about that rum on its own, uh, that rum as a basis for making homemade falernum, uh, and that rum when used in a modified tiki cocktail, the Hawaiian Eye. So the feature rum for this episode, as mentioned, is Ray and Nephew Overproof Rum. So uh, like the overproof rums talked about in episode nine, this is a rum, uh, you know, quick quick recap on what overproof is. Overproof is something that's above uh, what's considered navy proof. Um, a general rule of thumb is anything over 100, 110 proof. Um, if you go back to episode nine, there'll be a little bit more definition on what overproof uh, means. Um, the difference between this overproof, the Ray and Nephew overproof, and the ones we talked about in episode nine, in episode nine, it was a Demerara-based rum, so it was a thicker body uh, smokier rum, you know, some of those Demerara cocktail or Demerara rum characteristics that were talked about, I think, um, in the Demerara episode and also in the obviously overproof episode. Um, but again, this one's a little bit different. This is a uh, uh, overproof from Jamaica. It's Jamaica's most popular rum. Um, if you look at the UK J Ray and nephew site, um, the local UK distributors for J Ray and nephew, um, they say it accounts for over 90% of all the rum consumed in Jamaica. Uh, J. Ray and Nephew as a brand of uh, rum distributors and, and creators is a well-established brand that dates back to 1825. Um, in fact, their aged rums from the 40s and 50s were the basis for Trader Vic's Mai Tai, which we talked a, a little bit about in the Mai Tai episode. Um, and often in Jamaica, it's, it's served in a cocktail called the J. Ray and Ting. Uh, Ting is a grapefruit Jamaica or Jamaican grapefruit soda. Uh, there's a link to it in the show notes. It's a little bit hard to come by. Um, in the U.S., but there are some stores that will stock it. Um, I don't have any on hand because none of the local stores have it, but I'm going to try and pick some up so that I can make a J. Ray and Ting for a, for a future episode. But again, that's a fairly popular and fairly well-established um, drink in Jamaica. Um, so as a Jamaican rum, it's an English-style rum, uh, like other Jamaican rums, uh, which means it's, in this case, it's a combination of pot and, and uh, column distilled. Um, looking at the official site for J. Ray and Nephew, um, it's kind of hard to tell exactly how it's manufactured. I'm doing a little bit of research on the internet, not only on the official site, but also on different rum categorization sites. I have a a link to the um, Ministry of Rum entry and then some other websites that I went and visited. Um, It's a little bit hard to tell whether this rum is aged or or unaged. If even if it is aged, it's sort of barely aged because it's and it's definitely cleared or distilled back to clear. Um, it's a, a distinctly clear rum. It doesn't have any. There's nothing like it didn't spend any time in the barrel to sort of dull any of its characteristics. It's a, a full fledged overproof, uh, you know, hair on fire kind of rum. Um, and the going back to the distilling um, again, a lot of Jamaican rums are both pot and column distilled. And the pot still is the, you know, one of those characteristics that give Jamaican rum their body and their character and, and make them unique uh, to themselves, as opposed to a similar rum if it were produced somewhere else. Um, so as, you know, the what limited information is on the official site, and I have the official site linked in the show notes, as well as the UK distributor site linked in the show notes, um, all they really do as far as the description is say it has a fruit natural aroma. 
Um, and even by my non-super taster stance, um, that's a pretty vague description. Um, the other piece of information they have on it is it's bottled at 126 proof or 63% alcohol by volume. I think technically some sites listed at 62.8, but let's go ahead and round up to 63%. Um, so it definitely qualifies as an overproof, um, but it's well under the 151 threshold of the Lemonheart uh, Eldorado. Uh, Eldorado, sorry, not the Eldorado, the Lemonheart 151 made by the Eldorado uh, distillers. Uh, the Ray and Nephew White Overproof Rum costs about $20, $20 a bottle, um, and you're probably not going to go through it that often unless you're making Falernum, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, looking at the bottle, it's sort of a you know classic 750 milliliter bottle. Uh, the only real distinguishing characteristics are a heavy use of green and yellow, especially the yellow plastic top on it, uh, so that kind of stands out as unique. Um, and then tasting the J. Ray and Nephew. Um, so it's sort of a unique experience. Again, this isn't an aged rum, so you're going to have um, everything that this rum is is, a, is about is going to be up in the forefront. You know, it's really not hiding too much stuff. Uh, so smelling the rum, actually, before we get to smell, appearance in the glass and appearance in the bottle. Again, it's completely clear. Uh, if you swirl the rum in your glass, you'll get beads that cling, you know, rather tenaciously to the sides of the glass well after you've swirled the rum sort of beating up on the sides of the glass. The aroma, uh, when you smell it, the aroma is you know, right off the pour before you even raise the glass to your nose. Uh, it's very aromatic. Uh, you can definitely tell that you've poured some alcohol into your glass. Um, holding it up to your nose to, to give it another you know, sort of whiff and, and uh, breathe in, uh, you get a little bit of a nasal burn, which is, not again, not unexpected from a uh, hardly or not aged overproof rum. Uh, maybe a little bit of hint of banana in that aroma. Um, and has that, you know, sort of hard to officially define, but once you've smelled enough Jamaican rums, you kind of get the sense when you smell one of them. And, and I, a lot of people, kind of like when you talk about Demerara rum, you'll always hear people refer to the smokiness. Um, a characteristic that you'll hear often when people describe Jamaican rums is a funkiness, um, which it probably derives from, uh, in one way or shape or form, from it being partially pot distilled, but it does have that distinctive Jamaican funkiness that is unique to that you know, particular region of rum. Tasting the J. Ray Nephew Overproof, um, it's a little a little sweet on the tip of the tongue, but that's only for a second, maybe a little bit like a, you know, a butterscotch flavor. And then the heat moves in pretty quickly and then goes right to the back of the throat. Um, probably underneath that heat, there's a little bit of another hint maybe of banana, kind of like on the nose. Nothing too noticeable. Um, if it were too aromatic or tasting, of banana, I probably wouldn't care for it too much, but it's just something that you kind of get the senses there, but you can't really taste it. Um, it's not exactly the easiest sipper. Um, you know, you're going to sip it kind of slowly, um, but whether or not you find it something you want to sip at all or something you don't like at all is going to really depend on how much or how often you sip rum neat. So if it's not something uncommon for you to sit back and sip rum neat, uh, you may find this to be something you can work your way through. Uh, if you don't generally like rum neat, this is this one isn't going to change your mind even a little bit. Um, so you're probably going to want to find another use for it if you pick up a bottle. As far as the finish, um, actually find the finish. You know, it, it the heat from the taste moves to your throat really quickly, and it seems like it finishes really quickly, but then it sneaks back up on you once you think you got it all clear, and then the warmth in the back of your throat kind of lingers there for a while. Definitely doesn't linger as long as the Lemon Heart 151, but it does stick around for a little while. So. Just, you know, to sort of sum up this rum, it's not the easiest rum on its own, um, either sipped or, or mixed, but it definitely is mixable. Um, it's also good as a base for making your own falernum. I'd 
probably use this rum mostly just for that use, for making my own Florinum uh, more than I use it for mixing. But it does have a you know distinctive place on the shelf. Um, and if you want to get a little adventurous with some cocktails, because it has a really char- you know strongly characteristic aroma, it actually would work pretty good as a float um, for if you want to give a normal cocktail a different take, maybe float a half ounce of that on top. I've done that with a, a Mai Tai before. Not necessarily a, a Trader Vic's Mai Tai, but I've made a, a Bali High Mai Tai or some other for, form of a Mai Tai and then floated a little bit of J. Ray and, or Ray and Nephew Overproof on top. And it gives it a different taste, especially when you have it just floating on top because it, you know, when you... You know, one of the things a garnish or a float on a drink will do for you is it really opens up different flavors because you're hitting that on your nose while you drink something else. So that's really the, the point of floating it up there. All right, so I mentioned that one of the uses for J. Ray and Nephew or Ray and Nephew Overproof Rum, you'll kind of hear those names interchangeably. The, the original company was J. Ray and Nephew, so out of habit, a lot of times I call it J. Ray and Nephew Overproof Rum. Anyways, I digress. Um, one of the primary uses I have for it is to make homemade Florinum. Uh, Falernum is, uh, what is Falernum? Falernum is a spiced sugar syrup uh, used in a lot of classic tiki cocktails and features a lot of uh, flavor elements that come from uh, flavorings that would be found in the Caribbean. So it's sort of a Caribbean spiced syrup. The primary components are, uh, flavor components are clove, lime, almond, and ginger. Um, There's a couple ways you can get Falernum. Um, There's, you know, just like with a lot of other syrups, you can find a ready-made version, and you can purchase that and have it in your home bar, or you can make your own. Um, in terms of ready-made versions, I have links to all four of these brands um, in the show notes. I've had all four of them at one time or another. Those are uh, BG Reynolds, uh, Taylor's Velvet Falernum, Fee Brothers, and Snug Harbor. Uh, the Fee Brothers and the Taylor's Velvet Falernum are probably the easiest one to find if you just want to go into a, a liquor store and look for them. Um, I would tip a little bit in favor of uh, the Velvet Florinum. I wasn't a really big fan of the Fee Brothers. Um, it tasted a little bit too, I don't know, like almost soapy. I just, I didn't really care for the flavor in that one. The Velvet Florinum is pretty good for just buying one from the store. Uh, Snug Harbor, it's been a while since I've had that. I bought it once at High Time in Costa Mesa. I seem, you know, I remember liking it, um, but it was right before I started making my own, so I didn't go back and buy much more after that. Um, and the BG Reynolds, um, I've had good success with everything that um, that Blair Reynolds makes and everything from his BG Reynolds product line. So if you're going to order one online, um, I would probably, you know, go to that and check out Snug Harbor. Also, there's links to that in the show notes. In terms of making your own, um, it's actually not that hard. It takes a little bit longer to make only because it needs to kind of sit kind of like the orgy. It needs to sit overnight, uh, but it's no more difficult than those other recipes. Um, so you know, I, there, I would recommend making your own as long as you're willing to put in, if you like to tinker in the kitchen, you're willing to put in a little effort. Uh, it's not too hard to make on your own. So I'd recommend doing that. And I'll go over the recipe here. The recipe, um, comes from beach bum berry remixed. Uh, it also is posted online at postprohibition.com. I'll link to that website, um, that particular recipe on that website in the show notes and go over the recipe here, but it's uh, pretty straightforward to follow. Um, you need six ounces of Ray and Nephew Overproof White Rum. Uh, you want the zest of nine limes with no pith, uh, 40 whole cloves, and toast those cloves in like a 350-degree oven for about five minutes just to sort of open those cloves up. Um, one and a half ounces by weight of peeled and chopped fresh ginger. Two ounces of blanched, I'm sorry, not two ounces, two tablespoons of blanched slivered almonds. 
uh, which you would also dry toast until golden brown. So generally what I do is I put the cloves and the, and the almonds on a, a small cookie sheet inside a toaster oven and then bake that at a 350 degree oven for about five to seven minutes or until it starts to smell a little bit toasty. Um, and then to finish it off, you know, sort of jumping ahead to the next day, you'll need 14 ounces of simple syrup, a uh, quarter ounce of almond extract, and then four and a half ounces of fresh lime juice, lime juice that you've strained the, the pulp out of. So the first step um, is the easy part. It just involves a little bit of labor, and that is to take the uh, combine the rum, the six ounces of rum, the zest from your nine limes, the cloves that you toasted, the almonds that you toasted, and the ginger, and put those in a small jar and just let that soak all together for 24 hours. And in that time, the rum's going to go to work and, and pull the flavors out of the lime zest, the cloves, the almonds, and the ginger. Um, I've got pictures of this up in the podcast and also on the show notes so you can kind of follow along with the process. Um, after 24 hours, um, you want to take all of that and strain the, the solids, strain the whole mixture and capture the solids through moistened cheesecloth and then squeeze out all of the liquid. So you're going to end up with pretty close to that six ounces of uh, rum again, but now it's going to be infused with all those other flavors we just had in there. You can discard the all the solids once you've squeezed the rum out of it. You don't need that anymore. And so then inside a, a mixing bowl, you want to combine the, the the rum that you just infused overnight, the almond extract, the sugar syrup, and the four and a half ounces of lime juice. For the sugar syrup, the only other trick I use here is opposed to a normal sugar syrup where I would heat the sugar syrup over really low heat until I get what I need. In this case, I use very warm tap water and a one-to-one tap water to sugar mixture. So, sorry, let me back up. I use a one-to-one mixture. So if I'm usually using, you know, one and a half cups of sugar, one and a half cups of water. And rather than heat that in a, over the stove, I'll use one and a half cups of warm tap water and then combine those. Just, you know, keep stirring and stirring. It usually takes a minute or two. In, or you can shake it until the sugar completely dissolves. And so in doing so, you get a little bit lighter body syrup, which helps the Florinum um, overall not be quite as thick and viscous as like a sugar syrup, which is what you want. Um, anyway, so once you've got the sugar syrup, again, combine that with the uh, with the liquid you got from the overnight rum mixture, the almond extract, and the lime juice. Bottle that up, stir it up. I usually put it in a, uh, a stopper bottle that I've had uh, pictured and linked in the show notes. Um, it's just a stoppered, you know, large squared off bottle from cost plus. Um, and that'll keep, um, according to the recipe, it keeps in the fridge for about a month. I've actually kept it a little bit longer depending on how much I make and how much flarinum I'm using. I can keep it a little bit longer. Um, but generally at the portions you're making, if you're making drinks with some regularity, it's not going to go to, you know, you're not going to have to worry about it going more than a month because you're going to use it quicker. I, um, also have often halved this recipe and so just used a half of, of everything that was given in the recipe uh, if I want to make less because I don't think I'm going to use mu- as much of it. And that way, I don't again, don't have to worry about it going bad. Um, unlike with some other syrups, you don't really need to add any rum as a stabilizer because the J. Ray or the Ray and Nephew is in the Falernum itself when you made it. Um, so again, to recap, should you make your own? Um, I would say if you're willing to take the time and tinker in the kitchen, yes, it's totally worth it. You get a better flavor. You get a fresher flavor than you get from the bottled ones. Um, which ones to use if you don't, uh, if you just want to run out to the liquor store, get the velvet Falernum. If you're going to order online, check out BG Reynolds or Snug Harbor. Um, both of those I can recommend as being good. I just haven't had the Snug Harbor one as recently. Um, I don't, again, I don't really care for the Fee Brothers version, but it's pretty inexpensive and everybody's tastes vary a little bit. So it's probably worth trying it. If you like some of the other Fee Brothers products, I do. 
maybe it's worth buying some bitters and maybe throwing in a bottle of Flarinum and seeing if you like that. But, you know, really just, just make your own. It's not that. All right, this episode's featured cocktail uh, is a cocktail called the Hawaiian Eye. The Hawaiian Eye can be found in both uh, Beach Bumberry Remixed and Intoxica by Beach Bumberry. Uh, and the Hawaiian Eye was originally developed by bartender Tony Ramos of the China Trader in Burbank, California. He created the drink, uh, base, well, not basically, he created the drink for the cast of the TV show, The Hawaiian Eye, who used to frequent his bar inside the China Trader. They would film at the Warner Brothers lot in Burbank, and then after work would go to the bar, and he created this drink in sort of in their honor. Um, the drink itself is a modified version of the Hawaiian Eye, so it's not exactly the way it appears in Beach Bunbury Remixed. Uh, modified only in the sense that it wanted to use a little of the Ray and Nephew overproof to go along with the Florinum that was created um, you know, from scratch using the Ray and Nephew also, sort of bring those elements together. Uh, genuine, uh, general reminder, fresh lime juice only, please. Uh, the recipe... And again, this can be found in Beach Bunbury Remixed, is one half ounce of fresh lime juice, one half ounce of falernum, uh, homemade if you have it, one half ounce of simple or sugar syrup, and then one half ounce, the original recipe would, one, would be one half ounce of light Hawaiian or Puerto Rican rum. In this case, we're going to use one half ounce of the Ray and Nephew Overproof rum, and then one ounce of gold Puerto Rican rum, or in this case, I'm substituting gold. And those two are analogous, so in this case I'm using uh, Cruzon from the Virgin Islands. And then eight ounces of crushed ice. So the recipe, just put all those ingredients into a blender, uh, and I would use the, the mixer that we've used before, the sort of the milkshake blender. Blend that for about five seconds, and then pour unstrained into either a tiki mug uh, or a Pilsner glass or a tulip glass. And there's a picture of that in the show notes. And so in tasting that, I've had this drink many times and come up with a couple different variations based on what ingredients I had in hand, but you know, tasting this one in particular, it doesn't taste, excuse me, markedly different than the version that's made with the either the light Puerto Rican or Hawaiian rum. But I, I you do get a little hint of the Ray and Nephew, and I think generally speaking, just as a as a concept to tie it together, um, having that with the homemade Falernum that was made at the Ray and Nephew just sort of ties them all together pretty nicely. It's a pretty refreshing cocktail. It's pretty light. Even with using the Ray and Nephew, you're still only looking at an ounce and a half of alcohol. Um, just be careful because they do go down pretty easy. And if you drink too many of them, it's like any other good tiki drink. If they're balanced and you don't know what you're drinking before you get too far in, uh, you're going to be too far. So that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Show links are up on the 5 Minutes of Rum website. That's number5minutesofrum.com. The show is also on iTunes as 5 Minutes of Rum. There you can subscribe. You can rate the show, even leave a review. Um, and if you like the show, tell a friend. Uh, the more listeners we get, the better uh, rankings we get in iTunes and the more people that can find the show. The show is also on Twitter as at 5 Minutes of Rum. That's at symbol number 5 Minutes of Rum. Please send in any comments, corrections, feedback, or requests you have via either the 5 Minutes of Rum website or on Twitter. And now, go get some rum. <laughs>